The aha in that is I thought our company was the only one that was screwed up. I thought my dad was the only crazy visionary. I thought I was the only crazy business person that thought that way. And I looked around the table and I said, we're all a little bit crazy. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White. In this episode, Benj Miller is living his EOS life and is on vacation. Our guest today is Gino Wickman, founder of EOS Worldwide, creator of EOS, and the author of the Traction Library. Gino, welcome to Tractionville. Thanks. Proud to be here. So, Gino, we've got about 45 minutes, and that is not enough time, but I am very <laughs> thankful and grateful um, that we could make this work. It's been four months in the working, and uh, I'm just uh, uh, I'm honored and excited to have you here, and I thought I just want to dive right in and squeeze as much juice as I can out of this for our listeners. Well, I'm ready, and I'm looking forward to doing the same thing. Gino, take us back to that point. When, uh, you know, most of our listeners know the story, um, your, your father asked you to come in and to take over the organization. And what I'm curious about and what I think our listeners are curious about is when you made that decision to take the reins, you list a bunch of mentors and uh, people who have influenced you at that early age. And I'd like to start there, if you don't mind. Who were your mentors and what did they do for you? Yeah, great. So let me actually, I want to back up a step and, and correct the story, because if the story is that my dad asked me to come into the business, uh, that story has been greatly exaggerated because it's just the opposite. I clawed my way into that business. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, so the, you know, lightning fast version is, you know, as I was learning what my dad did in the world and what he taught and the impact he had, and, and as I was a real estate agent learning all of his stuff, I fell in love with his company and I wanted to run that company. And so I set a goal for myself at 22 years old and said, I'm going to be the president of his company someday. And he did not want his kids in the business. And it was his business partner who was actually the person training me in those days, who he and I just formed a relationship. And it was he that talked my dad into letting me into the business. Uh, and I went from a six-figure income to making 25 grand a year selling my dad's products door to door <laughs> to get in the door to work there. And then worked my way up to realizing the state of the company and realizing that it needed a turnaround. And my dad and I sat in his office and I shared with him the state of the company and felt I could save it and talked him into giving me the keys to the business. And he handed me a hundred thousand dollar check, which would basically keep us afloat for another two weeks. And I went to work on digging that company out of a hole and turning it around. He and I joining forces certainly as a visionary integrator duo, but uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's, it's quite the opposite of him asking me to come <laughs> join the business. So did, what was his reluctance? Do you think? He did not want to cross business and family. I mean, we are okay. a very close family and he didn't want to screw up Thanksgiving, as he would say, you know, <laughs> sitting around the Thanksgiving table. So I was, and what's ironic is by the time, you know, seven years in, both of my brothers worked in the business. So ah. ironically, all three of his sons ended up 
working in the business, which is what he did not want. And it ended up being an amazing thing. We were able to draw a very clear line between, you know, business and family. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's rare, as you know, <laughs> in sure. family businesses. But, uh, you know, he, he obviously he was thinking pretty deeply about that. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of our clients and family businesses wrestle with the same thing. So the partner sort of became, outside of your dad being uh, obviously a mentor, but his partner obviously saw something in you that gave him the confidence. Yeah, exactly. And and then to jump to, you know, the mentor question you're asking, um, you know, my dad was and is my greatest mentor. And so, you know, as I was taking his training in my early 20s, I was, you know, listening to all of his materials, going to all of his talks. And um, and it was then that he started to kind of, kind of take me under his wing. But it's when I got involved in the business is when, you know, he really took me under his wing. So he was definitely my first mentor and my greatest mentor, and what I would suggest that he taught me, I always say he taught me how to communicate and lead people, whether that was one or 1,000. And so he's one of the greatest entrepreneurs and leaders I've ever uh, met. And, and he just taught me, and, and he's taught me so many things. I wish I could rattle them all off, but yeah. there isn't a week that goes by, I want to say a day that goes by that there isn't one of his teachings that flashes into my mind and alters a decision I make that day. And his mentor was Zig Ziglar. And so a lot of Zig Ziglar's teaching was passed down to me. So I feel like everything Zig ever taught, I've learned through my dad. And, sure. and so it's, and then number two was Sam Cup. And ironically, it was my dad who introduced me to Sam Cup. And Sam Cup was an incredible businessman here in Southeast Michigan. And um, my dad asked him if he'd be willing to mentor me. We did our first mentor meeting and we just really clicked. And so I always describe it as my dad taught me everything about people and communicating with people and leading people. And what Sam taught me is everything about business. I mean, just the real raw world of business. And as I turned that company around, the family business around, I would meet with Sam every month for a couple hours and bear my soul and he'd give me his wisdom and you know so from an eos standpoint the term scorecard that's where it comes from is sam cup you know he showed me his company scorecard and what he ran his business on and i ran floyd whitman courses our family business on 14 numbers ran eos worldwide on 14 numbers in a scorecard so so sam just taught me so much about business and it was those two that really formed really most of what i am yeah you mentioned the, the VI relationship. I'm curious because I think I know yeah. you pretty well. Yeah. But in the family business, who played which role? Well, my dad was the visionary and I was the integrator. No question about that. My dad is a flaming visionary, as I like to say. He's like a visionary, uh, you know, of all visionaries. So he's at that level where, yeah, he's just a wild and crazy idea guy, incredibly creative sees 12 steps ahead of everyone. So yeah, he, he was the creator and builder of that organization, but yeah, very much the visionary. And I absolutely played the integrator role 100%. And, and how long uh, was that for with a period of time? Seven years, seven years. Yeah. And it was, you know, and it's a funny story there because as I was turning the business around, it was about a year and a half in to taking the reins that, you know, that was the aha moment and how I discovered and created the whole visionary integrator concept because then I locked my two partners in a room, uh, the Troy Marriott in Troy and illustrated an org chart and those two seats at the top. And I said, dad, if, if you'll just 
please play this role and let me play this role, right. we will turn this thing around. And so that, that was the day the visionary integrator concept was created. Today's podcast is sponsored by Tractionville. I'm your host, Chris White. And along with my co-host, Benj Miller, we'd like to thank our listeners and sponsors for helping and supporting this podcast. This is our 31st episode, and we're excited to have EOS founder Gino Wickman as our guest. Please like, share, and leave your comments and help us continue to build the EOS community worldwide. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned your dad was reluctant to have the boys come into the business and then you clawed your way in. And then a year and a half later, you're like, listen, dad, I want to put some structure in place here. When you asked him to to stay in his lane, right? What mm-hmm. was, how receptive was he to that idea? Surprisingly, incredibly receptive. You know, first of all, we were trying to save a company. Um, so that, you know, obviously gets someone's attention and, you know, he knew that that wasn't his gift was to dive into the day to day and turn it around because I had to do some really, really tough, heavy lifting stuff, spinning off business units and getting rid of people. And so, you know, I think knowing the, the state of the company and the challenge, I think he was at that point pretty much willing to listen to anything I had to say structurally, but from a culture and vision and mission standpoint, those things were all non-negotiable to him. The beauty of what I took over and turned around was an amazing culture. He's such a great leader and there were such great people in the organization and it was such a great culture that that certainly helped uh, that turnaround tremendously. So Gino, you, t- you talked about your, your the influence of your father and really helping you develop your leadership skills. You then co-founded a peer group in Detroit. Is that right? Yeah. So no, I didn't co-found. What it was, was Young Entrepreneurs Organization, Y-E-O, which is a worldwide organization, brought the Detroit chapter to town. And there were 10 of us that were the founding members. So a friend of mine rounded up nine others, including myself, and we were the original 10 members of the Detroit chapter of YEO, now known as EO. And so how did that help you? What was the motivation to to get involved there? Well, that the motivation was, you know, my obsession and passion for becoming a great business person, for lack of a better term. And so I spent my all of my 20s reading every book I could get my hands on, listening to every audio, just consuming content, again, learning from mentors and thought leaders. And so that was just another step on the journey where there was this amazing opportunity to be part of this organization full of entrepreneurs and spend a half a day every month sitting around a table with 10 other great entrepreneurs. And so the motivation was to learn, was to get this incredible exposure and experience. You you talked about the VI relationship and that discovery and kind of drawing it out um, for, for your dad and, and uh, his partner. When you were involved in YEO and you're with the other members, did you already have the beginnings of what eventually became the EOS model sort of started in your head? 
No, not at all. So what happened was about a year, maybe less, maybe six months into meeting with my YEO forum every month, you know, and certainly being this fanatic about learning, I had this aha moment. And so, so there was a turning point there because the aha moment was, and this, these are the exact words that went through my brain. And so I looked around the table at these other entrepreneurs and I said to myself, holy cow, these guys are as fucked up as I am. <laughs> so the aha in that is I thought our company was the only one that was screwed up. I thought my dad was the only crazy visionary. I thought I was the only crazy business person that thought that way. And I looked around the table and I said, we're all a little bit crazy. <laughs> and so I saw nothing but opportunity because I realized I have a knack for this thing. I have a knack for helping these people the way that I helped my dad. And that was my light bulb moment. Mm. And all the while I was in strategic coach, I had just started the strategic coach program, helping me discover my unique ability. And, and once all those dots connected and that light bulb moment hit, I started to realize that, you know, I might be meant for something bigger. Yeah. And, and, and boy, <laughs> were you ever meant for something bigger uh, with, with the things that you've accomplished? So that's a nice transition into, you know, you, you eventually got to the point where you had created the model and really simplified the business and then applied simple practical tools that all of our listeners are very familiar with. Let's fast forward because our listeners know the story, but what's interesting I think for our listeners is that, you know, you spent how many total years um, in EOS from, from inception to. It, it took me five years from start to finish to put the finishing touches on what is now EOS. Okay. And in that five years, is that when you uh, were introduced to Don Tinney and you met your so perfect puzzle piece? Yeah, so a couple of really important data points there. So what happened is when when we sold the family business, I got out of a three-year contract early, a year and four months, and I was able to get out of it. I took a nine-month sabbatical to go soul search and decide exactly what I want to do in the next era. During that sabbatical, a guy by the name of Mike Palin, who I call my guardian angel, who's had three big impacts on my life, handed me a book called The Monk and the Riddle. And in that book, it shared a story of someone that helped business owners. And, and when I saw that and read that, uh, that was my light bulb moment that that's what I want to do. So that's number one. And then that then set me on a path during that sabbatical that that's what I'm going to do. And, and then I set a goal for myself that I'm going to create this thing I called virtual CEO, which is something out of the book. So that led me to then working with business owners, creating EOS over a five-year period. And then when I put the finishing touches on EOS, right around the end of that, I made a decision that I want to leverage it because there I was in Southeast Michigan with the best kept secret in town because I had this amazing life, great balance, making a huge impact on businesses and entrepreneurs, um, making a great income. And I decided, you know, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to keep this to myself and retire off this nicely in 20 years, or I'm going to share it with the world and give others this same opportunity. 
And to me, it was a no-brainer. And I decided to give others this opportunity. And upon making that decision, I decided I'm going to need a partner to help me build this because I didn't want to go out and recruit all those EOS implementers, as we now <laughs> call it. And uh, that same guardian angel, Mike Palin, when I put word out to my network that I'm looking for someone, introduced me to Don Tinney, and, uh, and, and that was a match made in heaven, and, and the rest is history, as they say. So that long version there, but uh, that's how Don came into my life. Well, and you had a good template, right, between you and your father, right? Your dad is the visionary, you as the integrator. You really had the, you understood what it took to be both, right? When you say both, what do you mean by both? Well, the visionary integrator. So you you were the integrator, but you got to work with a flaming visionary. So you got to understand sort of the genetic makeup of what a visionary looks like. And of course, you're encoded uh, as, as an integrator as well. But you make this transition because when you brought Don in, you then went to the visionary role. Yes. And Don came in as your integrator. So you had... Had you gone and interviewed a bunch of people or was it love at first sight when you met him? Uh, pretty close to love at first sight. There was one other person, uh, but to touch on that whole visionary integrator thing, what's important to know there is, you know, I believe I always had that visionary entrepreneur gene in me. It just didn't flourish because I didn't know what it was. It took a little while, Sure. but I'm also one of the rare individuals that can do both and be both. So there's, you know, out of all the visionaries, 5%, one out of 20 have the ability to be both visionary and integrator. Mm -hmm. It's very unique, somebody with a higher follow through. And that's me. And given the option, I choose to be visionary. Yeah. Being visionary is much more enjoyable to me where others will choose to be the integrator. You just have to make a choice because it comes down to capacity. I did not have the capacity to be and do both. And so I very much wanted to be a visionary and went out and found my integrator in Don. I have to assume when you got involved with, with, with Dan Sullivan and strategic coach, that really helped solidify what truly was your unique ability was visionary. Yeah, that, absolutely. And the experience with the YEO forum table and being surrounded by those visionaries. And yeah, so a lot of different data points, but those, you know, strategic coach and that experience was definitely a big part of it. So you're five years in, you put the finishing touches on what we now know as EOS. You find your, your, your perfect match in Don Tinney. And then when did you decide to write the book? Uh, it was right around then. I was actually writing the book when I met Don. So I was... I want to say maybe four years in, maybe a little bit less when I decided to start to write the book. So when I met Don, I was probably halfway through the process. And then the book was published shortly thereafter, maybe a year after meeting Don. And then the finishing touches were put on EOS because prior to EOS, it was called the business accelerator and it was blue. And so I did a whole rebranding of the business accelerator, which became EOS. And so Don was, came in right in the middle of hmm. all of that uh, evolution. And then how soon after did you host your first implementer training? Well, the deal with Don was he and I sat down and when we decided to join forces, step one 
was that he had to first and foremost become an EOS implementer solely and go out and prove that someone else other than me could reproduce all of these results that I did and uh -huh. have this impact on companies. And I'll be frank, I wasn't so sure he could do it. And, uh, and he absolutely did it. He reproduced every single one of my results. And so the deal was if he could do that over the next year and a half, then he and I would join forces. And we did that. And he got 20% of the company. And ultimately, he ended up with 30% of the company. And uh, he and I went forward. So to answer your question, is a year and a half after he started and proved that he could do it mm. and that someone else could do it. And then once we formed the organization, then he went to work on recruiting EOS implementers. And I would suggest it was probably within three to six months, we were sitting in our first boot camp with the first small handful of potential implementers. So I'm thinking of, of that room right now, because as you know, we, <laughs> we recently had Renee Boyer um, co-author with you on how to be a great boss. He's an U.S. implementer. And uh, in his episode, he shared, um, you know, a, a, some quick stories about that beginning uh, through his lens. I'm curious, what was that first training session like through your eyes how what did you have for like collateral what, what tools did you have like take us into that room that very first one yeah that's so great i mean it was so all i feel is pain when i think about that <laughs> so hard you know and by the way whenever i do a podcast i always listen to you know a few minutes of one you know of your podcast yeah. episodes, and i do that with everyone it just so happens it was renee's that i listened to and the five or 10 minutes that I listened to was him telling that story about his first boot camp. <laughs> and so for your listeners, please listen to the first 10 minutes of Renee's podcast interview because it is so good. And he tells the story so much better than I ever could because for me, you know, I was absolutely nuts back then in terms of my hyper focus on building this thing. And so I'll be frank, I don't remember half of it. But <laughs> what I can tell you is, you know, Don drudged up whatever he could in the world <laughs> to get bodies in that room um, to, to start to build this thing. And, you know, more than half failed in the first few boot camps. Um, but there weren't a lot of materials. And it was me making it up real time in terms of what do you teach a, a new implementer in those first two days that's going to set them up for success the fastest. And, and so you know, that boot camp looks nothing like what it looks like now, but it was a whiteboard. I'm, I'm literally right now sitting in my session room, which is the same room that that very first boot camp was done in. And it was, you know, these two whiteboards, a marker and me, and then Don <laughs> sitting there and us just figuring it out real time. It was absolutely insane and amazing and fun and terrifying and, uh, a excruciating those first you know two years and six to eight boot camps wow well i can i can, i've heard so many stories from some of the early uh implementers and they're they're all fantastic uh and and i'm sure we're getting we'll be getting more of those on tractionville let's uh i'd like to transition if you don't mind and and i want to get to your your latest book um that you released, and it's called Leap. Um, tell us about 
your what made you write this book? Why this book and why now? Yeah. And so the book is called Entrepreneurial Leap. We all call it Leap Lovingly because it's quicker, faster, and easier to say for what that's worth in case any of your listeners uh, go out and look for it. But what drove it is, you know, I am now 52 years old. And so when I was 40, and as I was building EOS Worldwide with Don, and we were having some level of success, uh, sitting there at 40, I was thinking about what am I going to do at 50? And I made a decision that when I turn 50, I'm going to shift my energy to going to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey. And so my whole life, you know, as we've discussed in this story, since I was 18 years old, has been entrepreneurship. And, and that is why I exist, is to help give entrepreneurs freedom and the ability to be creative and make an impact on the world. And so I decided I want to go to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey and help give entrepreneurs in the making a huge jumpstart on taking their entrepreneurial leap. And the day I turned 50, I, I saved up a lot of stuff for 10 years, but the day I turned 50, that's when I shifted. And I think I cheated and maybe started about six months earlier than 50. But now for the last uh, two, two and a half years, I have been hunkered down. I wrote the book, published the book. The book literally just came out months ago. And uh, that's what that's what drove it is I want to help the people that are what I was. And so I was this 18-year-old mislabeled derelict entrepreneur, did not go to college, born an entrepreneur. And so that's the strong belief here, which goes against the grain of some people's belief. Well, the way I know this and the way I hope to prove this to you is that Look at a family with four siblings. And so you literally have a family of four siblings where two take responsibility and two don't. They were raised in the exact same household by the exact same two parents, same upbringing, yet half of them take responsibility and half don't. Now, sometimes it's three and one, and sometimes it's one and three, and sometimes all four lean one way or one. All. But the point is how in the same family, if they're raised the same way, can half take responsibility and half don't. And so the last little point I'll make is, and I just heard this this week, and it was like gold that was handed to me. And it, ironically, it's one of our EOS implementers. And so at last week's QCE, Kurt Schneiber, was, we're talking about responsibility, and he says, responsibility, here's a definition of responsibility. If a meteor hits your building, it's your <laughs> fault. An entrepreneur immediately says, that was my fault. You chose to move there. You <laughs> built that building. But the point is, regardless of what's right, because, you know, there is psychological disorders on both sides for people who take too much responsibility and people who don't take enough. But the point is, I'm not here to analyze or psychoanalyze what's good or bad. But the point is, if, if a meteor hits an entrepreneur's building, they're going to default to how do I solve this? This is my responsibility. I've got to take care of this as opposed to the other half of the world that says, woe is me, sucks their thumb, blames everyone else. And so there's my best <laughs> explanation. Well, your, your, your four sibling analogy, you know, that speaks to me. Um, and, and you know a little bit about my story, but you know, I'm the eighth boy in my family and I had entrepreneurial parents and out of the eight boys, two did not work in the family business. Uh, the s remaining six did, 
but I'm the only one that became an entrepreneur. So yeah, very, very interesting observations. So if they have these traits or if they think they have these traits, I know you've got some assessments. Let's talk about that. So, so if I were to look at this list and I think, yeah, I think I got those six, what's my next step? Yeah, great. So first thing is, um, there is a website, e-leap.com, that provides a ton of free tools and content. And so everything we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast that pertains to this, just please go there. It's all free. It's all downloadable. You can have access to everything I'm going to share. But certainly one is what you said, and that is the assessment. So there's the entrepreneur in the making assessment. Go online, take the assessment. It's going to give you an instant result. It takes maybe 10 minutes and it's going to help you start to do a self-discovery because the whole idea behind this book is to take you on this psychological, philosophical, emotional, soul-searching journey of self-discovery for you to decide if you have these six essential traits and if becoming an entrepreneur is right for you. And that assessment is one more tool on that path that's going to really help to give you answers. And so that's definitely the very first step in the journey. In addition to that, there's a free chapter. The first 30 pages of the book doesn't cost you a penny. And you can see if those 30 pages suck you into buying the book or not. And that'll really help to start to get your gears turning. And then in addition to that, just countless other tools that you can see there in the tools section of the website. Are there people, because I mean, you know, there's, you take the, you have the six key um, traits, essential traits, you have the assessment. Are there people who shouldn't take the assessment? Well, um, yes, (laughs) 96% of the world. And so, um, (laughs) uh, but, but here's how this works. You know, so I believe it's 4%, 4% of the population has these six essential traits. But, but here's what's not fair. Who knows who the 96% are and who knows who the 4% are? So what I would suggest is anyone listening who thinks they might be an entrepreneur in the making or wants to be an entrepreneur needs to go take that assessment. Somebody sitting here listening that's going to be a doctor and is going to go off to school and become a doctor, you know, probably, I, I, it would probably be a waste of time if that's what they know they are and want to be and have no entrepreneurial aspirations. Mm. And then the other would be, you know, if you're a parent listening or a mentor listening or someone that helps entrepreneurs in the making, you know, as a parent, you can literally go fill that out thinking about your son or daughter, and that'll help get your gears turning, but certainly send that assessment to them so that they can fill it out for themselves. And so those are the people that should be taking it, but it's, you know, it's not for everyone, you know, entrepreneurship, it's, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard and we yeah. are crazy and, and, you know, so it's, it's not this great thing, you know, sadly it's, it's the new rock star, you know, in the seventies, everyone wanted to be a rock star. Well, now everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Right. I just think it's really dangerous. And so you know, I will break some hearts with people that realize they aren't and they shouldn't do this, but I feel like I'm doing a service to the world uh, because these people that aren't to take a leap and spend 10 years in hell. I mean, I, I can't think of anything, um, you know, as painful. So I, I just, I'm trying to head off at the past, but I'm as quickly trying to help people that know that they are, you know, right. the 35 year old stuck in the corporate world that went down this, 
you know, academic and corporate path that's been miserable for the last 15 years, 10 years, you know, to help them realize what they are that, you know, those are the things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. So for our listeners who haven't taken the leap yet and they, they, they read the book, they read the, they download the chapters, they feel a connection to the six essential traits. Um, they take the assessment and, and they score within that range. Yes, you could be an entrepreneur and they feel connected to the content that you're sharing at, at e-leap.com. What's their next step? So the next step is the book is written in three phases, confirm, glimpse, and path. And so again, if they take the assessment, feel like they're probably an entrepreneur, the next step is to please read the book cover to cover because it is a complete how-to manual taking you all the way to taking your entrepreneurial leap. But if you play out confirm, glimpse, path, what you and I have been talking about so far is just the confirm step. From there, once they confirm it, we then go to Glimpse. And Glimpse, what they're going to read about in Glimpse is all of their options as an entrepreneur because the other powerful insight I give is awareness as to all of the option and all of the options an entrepreneur has because right now the world is led to believe, you know, the, the only option is to become a tech unicorn billionaire right or billion dollar company when building a $3 million heating and cooling company that throws off a 20% profit, there's no shame in that. And that's hard too. So what I do in Glimpse is I share all of the options, all of the businesses that exist, industries, sizes. Are you a product service? Are you a product person? Are you a service person? Are you a B2B entrepreneur? Are you a B2C entrepreneur? Should you build a billion-dollar company? Should you build a million-dollar company? We're all different. Are you more of a high-price, low-volume pivot person? Are you a low-cost, high-volume? So what it does is it takes you through this soul-searching to decide what type of business are you built for. And there's another tool on the website called My Biz Match that you literally go through and click, click, click on all of these things that you're attracted to, and it will show you the perfect business for you. And so, so that's the next step on the journey. Again, as you read the book, it takes you through Glimpse. Also in Glimpse, it shows you as a potential entrepreneur a day in the life, both heaven and hell. So I show the ideal scenario and I show you the worst case scenario so you can see a contrast. And then I show you the eight mistakes to avoid so that you do live the dream and the ideal scenario. And then there's countless real life stories. So you can see entrepreneurs just like you sitting where you are today and what they built. And then from there, it then takes you into PATH. And PATH is designed to help you eliminate half the mistakes you're about to make. And so what I do there is I take you through a thought process of understanding whether college or not. So is college right for you or not? It's a 50-50 decision. 44% of small business owners have a four-year degree or higher, which means 56% of small business owners don't have a degree. Mm -hmm. um, it takes you through passion and the power of passion and why it's so important and how to discover your passion, then shows you how to find a mentor, shows you the power of 10-year thinking. And then I get into eight disciplines to greatly increase your odds of success. And then I show you the nine stages of building your business. And so that's where we get into then the how-tos. Again, once you're motivated by glimpse and you want to take a leap. And so those would be the next steps. And again, it's just reading it 
page for page because I'm taking you through that psychological journey. Yeah, and in the the third section path, I know you have the nine stages of building their business. So this really yeah. does lay that path out, if you will, um, in a very simple, concise way, focused on you know here are the most the nine you know critical uh, stages of building your business, and in there. You have capitalizing on coaching, training, and mentoring, and that mentoring keeps coming back. I'm curious, I'm sure our listeners are, who's your mentor today? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I would say that my greatest mentor today is probably Dan Sullivan. I think Dan Sullivan is shaping my mind and teaching me more than anyone is teaching me right now. So he would be first and foremost. And as I sit here at 52, and I think about the next 50 years of my life and what I'm going to create and build and do, um, you know, I'm getting ready for the next mentor, whatever that means. Uh, So, but right now it's definitely Dan Sullivan. I see him every 90 days and, and he, alters my brain a little bit more every time I see him. So we, uh, we had Dan uh, uh, on an episode of Traction. For, for those listeners who may not be familiar with who Dan Sullivan is, he's the co-founder of Strategic Coach. And, and Gino, you, this is 20, how, how many years now with, with Dan? 23 years. 23 years. And still really? learning from Dan. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So let's transition at because it was at uh, early forties you set this this goal for yourself in ten years at the age of fifty you're going to make this change. What what's your future look like now? Have you set have you set yourself a, a goal at sixty? What's your passions? What are you what are you looking at in the future? Yeah, so I am. I have not set the 60 and beyond goal. And so right now for me, I'm in the middle of a t- new 10-year goal, and that is to impact 1 million entrepreneurs in the making with this new project. Wow. So that is what is consuming my time and energy. And what I'm doing is I'm working through collaborators. And so these are this is any organization that is helping and teaching entrepreneurs in the making, high schools, colleges, for-profits, nonprofits. There's thousands of them. And I give them this content for free. We join forces. They give credit where credit is due, and 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 they become heroes to their audiences. And so that's that's you know that's why I'm on this podcast. You know that's what I'm focused on. So I don't know what the age sixty goal is and beyond, um, but I'm quite certain there's going to be something. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to have something to do with helping entrepreneurs because you know that is my passion. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, that that has not come to me yet. Well, Gino, I can't. The time has just flown by for us here, and uh, we like to end our podcast with a couple questions. Sure. And the first question is: It's four fifty-five on Friday afternoon, and you just put in a, mm-hmm. you put in a full week of work um, at Leap. When you look back on the week, how do you know? that you had a successful week? Mm, What a great question. Um, So here's what comes to mind for me. 
So in answering that question, it's forcing me to think forward to answer backward. And, and it's, there, there's two types of weeks okay. in my life. There are working weeks and there are non-working weeks. So I'm going to give you two different answers because it's two different answers based on a working week and a non-working week because I take 170 free days a year. So building EOS Worldwide for 20 years, I took 150 free days. That's Dan Sullivan's definition for a day that you take off that you don't work. Once I sold EOS Worldwide, I bumped that up to 170 days. So I take a lot of rejuvenation time. And so if it's a free day, when I look back, it's did I spend time with the people that I love, mm. friends and family, uh, and just people that I care deeply about and want to be connected to. And if I did a lot of that, uh, then I feel like that was a pretty good week. Um, on a working week, when I talk about looking forward, you know, I have some very specific goals with entrepreneurial leap. And so in three years, I want to have done a hundred high quality podcasts. I want a million views of the video content that I'm putting out every week now. And I want to have 50 committed collaborators. These are people that I've joined forces with that are making a big impact with entrepreneurs. And so with that, when I look back on the week, as long as I, I put a dent in that goal, you know, so right. you and I are doing one of those hundred podcasts right now. And so when I look back on this week, in addition to the three or four more I'm doing this week, um, you know, it will be a good week because I put a dent in, in what I'm trying to create. And it got me one step closer to achieving that 10 year goal of, of reaching a million. Right. So that's, that's, that's how I would measure it. All right. The second question is if you're you're giving your e-leap talk and you're at the end of your talk and you've got a minute to close, what's your message to our Tractionville audience? <laughs> in the context of entrepreneurial leap, yep. obviously, not in the context of No, US. no, entrepreneurial leap. Yeah, so if I'm standing in front of an audience of a thousand entrepreneurs in the making, um, my message is, if you really believe you are an entrepreneur in the making and you are convinced that you have the six essential traits and, and I can't do that for you and no one can do that for you, so you've got to decide, I beg and plead with you, be honest with yourself. Mm. And if it's true and you do, I urge and ask you to be patient. So I wrote an entire chapter on tenure thinking and the power of tenure thinking. And so if I could imprint one thing on that audience's brain is you've got a ton of time. Even if you're 50, you've got 30 good years left on the good side. Think in tenure timeframes and time will slow down. You will make better decisions. And ironically, you will get there faster. You can accomplish anything in 10 years. Be patient. Mm, solid. So if people want to learn more about you and uh, eLeap, do you know where should they go? So just go to e-leap.com. It's all there. And uh, certainly start by taking that assessment and then go where the journey takes you. Mm -hmm. But everything is there captured on that website. Well, uh, Tractionville, we'll have all of that information in our show notes. We make it real simple for you to connect to our guests. So uh, we'll have all that available to everybody. Gino, I can't thank you enough for stopping by Tractionville. I love you, buddy. You too, brother. Had a blast. <laughs>